0: Today we uh, begin uh, to finish <laughs> our series on Ten Commandments. You're like, w- we 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 were on t- yes, we started that in the fall. Do you remember? And there's ten of them. We did eight of them, and there's two two more left. And um, we are going to today talk about the ninth commandment, and then next Sunday finish with the tenth commandment. Um. Just a brief recap review, as we enter in to this sermon today, um, Ten commandments we know have been given to the nation of Israel as they stand before God on Mount Sinai and we 've been hammering away at this after they 've been delivered from Egypt. Why is that important? Why is that important? that the Ten Commandments are given after they've been delivered from Egypt because this biblical trajectory is found throughout scriptures. The Ten Commandments are not given to the nation of Israel, God's people, as if to say, if you obey these things, then I will accept you. God says, I have already set you free and accepted you and set my mark as my people of God. And it was after that that, that that he gives them the Ten Commandments to say, now as freed people obey them. Now as free people live into them. And that difference is critical because if you and I approach the 10 commandments or any part of scripture for that matter, from the perspective of if I do these things, then God will accept me. We miss the entire point. God says, I give these things to you as set and free people so that you can live Your identity as free people. Grace comes first. Grace always comes first. Is that good news? Grace always comes first. Then God says, as people have been accepted already in Christ, give you these things. Now why does God give them then? God gives them. And it was been saying throughout to say to people, this is how I've created you. This is how I've designed you. In other words, this way, living into the commandments, is the way that you live truly free. That's what we've been saying. When we break the commandments, we don't don't so much break the commandments as we, what? Break ourselves. In the short run, when you break these commandments, you hurt others and you hurt God. But in the long run, you ultimately hurt who? Yourself. God says obey them because I've created you, I've designed you, I've created humanity to live life as I designed it. Oh, 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 if we would only approach these ten commandments from that perspective rather than if I don't do this and God's going to punish me, if I don't do this and God won't accept me. God says, my commandments are not arbitrary, they're based on how you're made, how God the Creator designed you, how we're supposed to live. When you move against the law of God, we move against ultimately ourselves. When we trample on the law of God, ultimately trample on ourselves. So today, we come to the Ninth Commandment, which simply says, you shall not witness falsely against your." Neighbor, the Ten Commandments, many of them are given in the negative. You shall not, you shall not, you shall not. But we've said that there's also a positive invited, though, not just negative prohibited. That's why we said, remember a couple weeks ago, you shall not murder positively. You shall treat every life as if it's of infinite worth. You shall be radically compassionate towards every single life. You shall not steal is what? Do you remember? You shall be radically what? Generous. You shall be radically generous. And today, you shall not bear false witness. Essentially says, you shall be radically honest. Be honest. You shall be a person of total and utter integrity. Honesty. It's a nice cute word, isn't it? Honesty. Um, Mark Twain apparently said this, wrote this. One day he was walking down the street and he spied a cart full of watermelons. And as a young boy, he loved watermelons. So he went over, stole one, ran into an alley, and delightfully sunk his teeth into it when all of a sudden a strange feeling overcame him. Without hesitation, he took the watermelon right back to that cart, put it down, and stole a ripe one. <laughs> stolen watermelons go down much easier than stolen sex. Do not commit adultery. Stolen watermelons um, go down much easier than um, stolen money. Do not steal. Can we just be honest this morning? Do not murder. Oh, that's serious. Do not commit adultery. Oh, that's serious. Be totally honest. Well, you know. Be a person of total integrity. Well, just Can I show you? We all know that we live in a society where being totally honest and a person of integrity, come on. We expect expect our politicians to be truthful to us. When they are not, we get upset. But lying to their wives, well, you know, that's their business. CEOs of companies, government leaders, pastors, we live in a, okay, well, let's just sit home. Um, have you been on a first date? Anybody? Okay. Can we be honest this morning and say that there are many times we're on a first date we misrepresent ourselves? Anybody? 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 Can I say it? Can you get it? Don't we go on a first date? And it's not that we're intentionally lying, but because we want to make a good impression, there are times when we get very, very, very close to utterly and totally misrepresenting who we are. And it's not just with others. Can we be totally honest this morning? It's also with ourselves. You know where dishonesty starts? Thank you, Carlton. Dishonesty starts because we can't even be honest with ourselves. Dawn, are you tracking with me this morning? Dishonesty starts not just out there. Come on. Dishonesty starts here. Rationalizations. Excuse making. Everybody around us looking at us going, why are you not being rigorously honest and living into truth and reality? Dishonesty starts right here. Not just out there. And Jesus comes along, of course, and he says... Um, I'm going to give a principle for kingdom people that's utterly radical, utterly radical. And we're going to look at that in a moment, but let's begin here. Why this whole aspect of honesty? Why is it important that we bear not false witness against our neighbors? I would say this, honesty, total and utter honesty integrity is what we need in order to be human. In order to be human. You know what do I mean? I put up a quote it's one of my favorite quotes by, and I, I passed away, f- uh, can you go back to that? Lewis Sweets was a professor at Fuller, written a number of incredible books, particularly on forgiveness, particularly on forgiveness. That's why I put this up. The only way to overcome the unpredictability of your future is the promise of promising, or the power of promising. If forgiving is the only remedy for your painful past, promising is the only remedy for your uncertain future. First, he says, if you want to be human, not an animal animal driven by instincts or like a computer driven by programming, if you want to be human and truly free, he says, first of all, you have to forgive. Why? I I spent two minutes here. If you are not forgiving, if you don't forgive, you are today being completely controlled by your past. If you sit here today and you have people that you have not forgiven, your past has you by the throat. Forgiving is when you realize that you've set someone free. Because in your heart you've resolved. I am not going to allow my past to control me anymore. Forgiving, forgiving is the only path to a life of freedom. If we're not, we're no better than animals. Here's what I mean by that. Don't be offended. Animals are totally driven by their instincts. Computers, machines are driven by their programming. Human beings are free, but you are not truly free people in the past you haven't forgiven. They have you by the throat. If forgiving is the only way you can keep from being controlled by your past though, he says promising though is the only way you can keep from being controlled by your unpredictable future. He's saying making promises and keeping them. Making commitments and keeping them. Being true to people. Being true and reliable. Being dependable and following through is the only way that you could today live freely and not be scared of the unpredictable future. Anytime I officiate a wedding, I stand in front of two people and I say to them, here's what you're doing right now. I said, you are saying to each other, two weeks from now, Two months from now, two years from now, 20 years from now, if I'm still alive, I will still be faithful to the commitments I've made. I will still be faithful to the promises I have made to you. When you do that, when you do that, as you look towards your future and go, there's all kinds of things that could happen. But it doesn't scare me. Why? You're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Being true to the promises you've made. Being true to the commitments that you've made is the only way to free yourself from the unpredictability of an uncertain future. See, our culture says what though? Say, our culture says what? Donkey promises. Our culture says what? Your own personal fulfillment, your own personal desires trump everything else. If it's not doing it for you, break the promises. If they're no longer fulfilling for you, forget about the commitments you've made. That's why you hear conversations like this all the time. Wait, didn't you stand in front of a pastor or family, friends? And didn't you promise that through rich, poor, thick, and thin, you would be there for me? Where are you going? Didn't you say that you'd be my friend? And that no matter what ugly things about me that you saw, that you would be committed to this friendship. Where are you going so soon? We live in a culture that says, if a marriage doesn't quite fulfill you sexually, relationally, and cut loose and go. We live in a culture that says, you don't have to get married, just live together. We live in a culture that says, you don't have to be committed to a church, just come and go as you wish. But if you and I approach our lives, if you and I approach our lives and promises, and whether we keep it or break them, depending on how you feel, depending on the circumstances, we're not free. We're not free. We're enslaved. Enslaved to what, Peter? You're enslaved to your feelings. You're enslaved, I don't know, to your glands, to your genes, to your past. You're enslaved to what other people are saying. Do you and I realize we breathe this every day of our lives? We breathe in and out a cultural value that says, do as you wish. Yesterday we had membership class. We had 22 people in our membership class. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, y'all are clapping. We have membership class. People ask me all the time, what's membership? You know what membership is? It's me saying, you're making a promise to this church. Membership is you're making a promise to your church. You're inviting the world to witness that you're a human being. You're you're free. You're not driven to and fro how I feel today, by the circumstances, if I'm feeling like it, if the... You're making a promise of saying, I'm not driven to and fro by my gland genes, paths. I am making a promise with these people that regardless of what lies in the future, you can depend on me. It's funny to me when I talk to singles, particularly guys, they go, I don't want to commit. Why? I'm afraid. And I say to him, I go, do you realize that the only context in which you can be truly free and fulfilling and truly be you, which is all we want, is when you're in a relationship where both of you have said, we're committed to each other. We're not going anywhere. Don't you want to be in a relationship where you can truly be you? Don't you want to be in a relationship where you don't have to be insecure about your flaws? Don't you want to be in a relationship where regardless of the good, the ugly, the bad, that that person has said to you, I will love you Don't you want to? Yes? Then make a commitment. So here comes Jesus and he says in Matthew 5, again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Interpretive key real quick, you guys. Jesus, we know, is not quoting the Old Testament. When he talks about the law, he's quoting the Old Testament. He always says, it is written. It is written. He doesn't say that here. He says, you've heard. Why? Because what Jesus is doing here is he's critiquing the prevailing interpretation of the law that the religious teachers are saying. And here's what they were saying, the religious teachers, the rabbis. Here's what they were saying. They were saying to the people, if you make an oath in the name of God, that is oath to the Lord, then you have to keep it. You have to do it we know from the rabbinical writings of the time that the rabbis were saying you could also make an oath. You could also swear by other things. Like you could swear by the heavens. You could swear by the earth. You could swear by your father, by your family name. You could swear by Jerusalem. You could swear by your head. You could swear by all these other things that make an oath. But if you swear by these things and you decide, I don't want to do it anymore, you could break that oath and you'll be okay. And here's what Jesus says Verse 34, but I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the great city of the king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Please listen carefully, because this is the entire sermon right here. He's saying if you're a follower of Jesus, there can be no levels or Degrees of truthfulness. There are no levels. There are no degrees. Of truthfulness. You don't get to go. If I'm under oath. Well I have to tell the truth. But if I'm not under oath. Well you know. And how does he get across this? He says. When you use the heavens. To make an oath. That's. God's throne. When you use the earth to make an oath, that's God's footstool. When you use the city to make an oath, that's God's city. When you use your head to make an oath, that's God's head. God is everywhere and in everything. Whenever you make An oath or swear, God is everywhere. In other words, everything you say is being observed and being watched by the only eyes that matter. Let me give you an analogy. Let's say if tomorrow you knew that a camera, by the way, we live in, I was was thinking of this analogy, I was going to say, imagine a world where you know, you're walking around and a camera is following, recording everything you say and everything you do. And I realize we are we are living in that world today. But imagine for a minute that there's a camera that will follow you. And that's going to record everything you say, even your tone. And then on Monday night, it was going to be shown to 20 million people over the major networks. If you knew that going into tomorrow, would that change how you behaved? Do you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying your actual condition, my actual condition, is even more dire than that. Why? Because you are being observed and watched by the only eyes that matter. We are being observed in what we say and what we do by the only eyes that matter. And Jesus' point is, shouldn't his appraisal, his opinion, matter to us far more than what 20 million human beings would think? Do you know why? Do you know why this is so critical? Do you know where this comes in the Sermon on the Mount, by the way? Jesus is shocked about murder and adultery and anger and stealing. And like I said, those sins, we just go, whoa. But when it comes to lying and being untruthful or having degrees and levels of truthfulness, it just goes down easier. I may have told this story before. Story heard of a pastor who was on an airplane. Who's sitting next to a guy just hostile towards Christianity, hostile towards Christians. But he was willing to engage his pastor in a conversation. And so the pastor, and the guy was saying, I don't believe in sin. I don't believe people are sinners. And so the pastor looked over him and said, um, so you're in sales. And the guy said, yeah, I'm in sales. He says, well, do you ever lie or exaggerate to make a sale? The guy's like, well, we, this our industry. Everybody does it. So can we ask you another question? In your own company. Do you ever make an expense claim that's really not a business expense claim? Well, you know, that's just standard practice. Let me ask you another question. In all your travels, business-wise, have you always been faithful to your wife? And the man just stared. The man just stared. He had been a cheat, a liar, two-timer. He just... Was face to face with it for the first time. Now, is he any worse or different? No. Do, 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 do you realize the culture we live in and the air that we breathe? Here's a question How are you doing? How am I doing? Do you know what it means for us to be a city within a city? Can you imagine our city if we stopped misrepresenting, saying half truth, or people of total and utter integrity? You know what would happen? You would stick out like a sore thumb. You would, frankly, look weird. How are we doing? have you and I gotten to a place when it comes to our, and we're going to get to even like the deeper parts of, have we gotten to a place where half-truth, misrepresentation, sort of, kind of telling truth, it just flows and flows and flows. M. Scott Peck said this, the children generally lie and steal and cheat and want to make reality what they want. is routinely observable, the fact that sometimes they grow up to become truly honest adults is what seems to more remarkable. Can you and I just sit on this for a little bit? Verse 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Jesus' point is this. You have to understand that the battle for truthfulness, the battle for integrity is fought in every little yes and every little no. Question, how many times during the day do you say yes? Hundreds? Hundreds? How often, yep, 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 yes, yep, 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 yes, yes, no, no, yes. How often do you and I say yes or no? A lot. Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying the battle for truthfulness is right there. It's not in the big things. It's, whoa, 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 yes. Wait, wait, is that truthful? No. Is that truthful? Every time you say yes, every time you say no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Jesus is asking. That's where the battle is fought. Is every yes truthful? Is every no truthful? Parents. (laughs) Good Lord. I counted yesterday how many times often I said yes, no to my kids. And I was amazed at how often I said yes just for convenience sake, when it wasn't true. And how often I said, no, when it wasn't true. It just flows. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Okay, so let's uh, go deeper, shall we? Okay. So can we look at um, levels or the ways in which we're untruthful? (laughs) Examples. First one. Harmless lies. We love those. You know, there's a polite lies. Honey, how do I look? Is the game on today? (laughs) Can I get honey? How do I look? Oh, I'd love to go, but you know, I think I'm gonna be out of town. You don't love to go! You would hate to go. You don't know you're gonna be out of town. You see how it flows. Oh, I'd love to go. Sure, I'd love to go. Oh, I'd love to have coffee. You wouldn't love to have coffee. I'm speaking to myself, by the way, right now. You wouldn't love to have coffee. Why are you lying? Because it's harmless. It's not harmless. Here's another one. Word inflation. Do you know anybody who thinks everything is so great? Everything is so awful. Everything. Do you know anybody like that? And so ah, what happens? You just tune them out. Boy, there's some uncomfortable looks on faces this morning. Here's another one. How about kindly meant lies? What do I mean? You have a friend who has an alcohol problem. And you know that she is headed down a path of destruction. And yet, you will not speak truth. You have a friend who is sleeping around. Because that's how he or she thinks intimacy is to be gained. And it's fault intimacy. And yet, you, for fear that they'll call you a self-righteous Christian, will not speak truth. Do you know why harmless lies are bad? Because they're not what? They're not harmless. If truth-telling is how we are truly human... Then lying, even harmless lies, is demeaning that person. It's treating them like children. Demeaning that person. Treating trampling on their humanity. It's saying, I have truth, and this truth could help you, but because I don't want to, I don't know, be rejected, be accused, whatever, and because I don't, I will not speak truth. Are you doing that? Am I doing that? Harmless lies. Here's another one. I got to move. I got to move. Twisting or exaggerating of the truth. And I just move on here because I'm a preacher and I do this regularly. So guilty as charged. So let's move on, okay? Here's a tough one. Deceptive partial truth. Oh. Deceptive partial truth. I heard this analogy example. Imagine that X, Y, and Z all know that Mr. Jones didn't rob the bank. The police come to X, Y, and Z and ask, did Mr. Jones rob the bank? X says, yes, he did. Y says, oh, well, I kind of saw him in the vicinity. And Z says nothing. They're all breaking the Ninth Commandment. Why? X is easy. Just flat out inaccurate. Y might be factually true, but they're misleading in what they're saying. And Z is remaining silent. The ninth commandment says, do not bear false witness against your neighbor positively is to speak truth for your neighbor. Speak truth for the benefit of your neighbor. It's not just about saying the truth or factual accuracy and accuracy. The truth of the matter is, is there intention to deceive? Let me say that again. We are not just off the hook when we go, what I'm saying is factually accurate. The question is, is there intent to deceive? Because if you deceive, you are not for your neighbor. So let's just be real here. Is there a way in which you might be saying, well, I'm saying the right thing. But you're being deceptive. Well, I'm telling the truth. But you're misleading them. Uh, By the way, I thought about this. I'm paying attention to the mayoral race. I can't watch, I can't watch any more politicians debate. Do you know why? Because they will take any truth and use it to misrepresent, to falsely mislead. And I'm just sick of it to my stomach. But then I thought, Peter, how much better are you? How much better are you? How much better am I? <sighs> Next one, prejudice is untruthfulness. What is prejudice? It's assuming that somebody is a certain way because they're all like that. And you do not take time to get to know that person's story, and that person's social. Prejudice is don't blind me with the facts. I'm going to continue to just believe what I believe because they're all prejudice is untruthfulness. Duplicity is also a form of untruthfulness. And to mention duplicity, to to highlight what that is, opposite of duplicity is integrity. Integrity. The word integrity comes from the word integer, which literally means to be whole as opposed to fragmented or pieces. And I'm pivoting here as we talk about what it means to be truthful and how we go about living a truthful life. If you're a person of integrity, what you say, what you do, what you think, they're always the same. A person of integrity is consistent, is trustworthy, is dependable. A truthful person it's a person of integrity. Someone mentioned three or four. A person of integrity, or maybe a truthful person, is someone who doesn't say one thing and do another. And someone says, "Will you pray for me?" Stop. Because if you say yes, I will pray for you. You better pray for them. Daniel Spada is. Conviction? Do you know how often I... See, this is my yes or no. Do you know how often people go, will you pray for me? I go, yep. Do I? Daddy, will you fix my bike? Sure, honey. Do you? I'll call you next week. Call you next week. Do you? (laughs) We just throw it out there. uh, (coughs) I promise to love you. Not forsake you. Rich or poor. Good times and bad. Are you going to keep that promise? Secondly, person of integrity doesn't say one thing here and another thing there. Ooh. Do you say one thing in front of someone or one group of people only to turn around and say something to us, another? You know, we especially do this when we have to speak cute to someone, but because we're cowards, we'll say one thing in front of them to let them off easy. I heard this story, and it has a happy ending, so I hesitated telling it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Heard about a guy who got hired, and his boss has a filthy, filthy mind. And one day he pulled him into his office and told him a filthy joke. And I asked the guy, isn't that funny? And this guy looked at his boss, knowing the consequences, and said, no, I don't think that's funny. I think that's offensive. The happy ending is the boss said, you've got some mmm. That's good. And not only kept him in the company, but apparently he got promoted. When you and I find ourselves in a situation where someone says, isn't that funny? And it's not. Do you say, no, I don't think that's funny. Don't you think that? Next one. Person of integrity doesn't do one thing here and another thing there. Do you have a good private morality in the area of sex? But are you a jerk to work with? Or... Are you somebody who is deeply involved in issues of justice, caring for the poor, but are you sleeping around with your girlfriend or your boyfriend? Is there consistency here as well as there? person of integrity is in one way when people are looking and another when no one is looking. This sermon was like so hard for me to preach or prepare. Because two things, I am constantly in front of public and I talk for a living. Okay? Are you the same person when you are in front of other people that you are with your family? Are you a leader? There's a crisis of leadership in our country today. Would you agree? For one reason. We lack leaders with integrity. If you are a leader and you have an incongruent life that lacks character and integrity, eventually your people will stop following you. They will not. Happens to pastors. Happens to politicians. Happens to dads. Dads. And moms. Lastly, a person of integrity keeps their promises. When you make a promise, you declare that your future with the people who depend on you is not dependent on your feelings, on your circumstances. I want you to hear this. Only a person, a free human being can make a promise. When you promise and you keep it, you show yourself to be a free human being. In truth telling, you and I are saying, I am not driven by my instincts. I am not driven by programming. I am a free person. If you're a follower of Jesus who desires the full life Jesus promised... There can't be degrees or levels of truthfulness. Let your yeses be yeses. Let your noes be noes. Don't make promises that you can't keep. Don't exaggerate the truth. Be accurate. Be fair. Live with integrity. As we finish, question, three applications, we're done. One, are you living a lie? I don't think so. I don't know. What was your Facebook posts and statuses say? Are you living a lie? What would those who are closest to you say? Are you living a lie? See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This isn't about God punishing. Here's the thing about living a lie. When you live a lie... We are going against the design of our creator. This is the reason why you can't live a life for long without breaking down. This has little to do with God's going to punish and them. It is going against the grain. Our creator, God says, I created you to live a life of truth. I created you to live a life of transparent authenticity. Authenticity. I created you so that in private and in public, there would be consistency. You shouldn't lie for the same reason you shouldn't commit adultery. Why? It, you shouldn't. It doesn't work. It's the reason why you shouldn't breathe underwater. Why shouldn't I breathe underwater? Because you weren't created and designed to breathe underwater. You don't have the lungs for it. And our creator God says, I created you and designed you to live a certain way. And to live a certain way is to not to live a lie. It's to live a life of truth and authenticity. When you don't, when I don't, it doesn't just hurt them. Ultimately, it hurts you. Are you living a lie? Am I living a lie? Practically, and I'm done. One. Start with the easiest and then we'll go to the most difficult. One, don't say to be honest. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? You ever think? Why do we go, well, to be honest. So if you don't preface it by saying that, am I to assume that every other time you are not being honest? I know, it's a filler. It's kind of like the word so, 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 to be honest, to be honest, to be honest. Can we, I'm being totally serious, can we be a church community that will keep each other accountable so when somebody says, well, to be honest, we stop them and go, can you not say that? Because I need to know that every single word that comes out of your mouth is truthful. Can I get an amen? Don't say to be honest. Don't preface it by saying to be honest. And some of us, this is going to be hard. (laughs) Because you will realize how often you go, well, to be honest, well, to be honest, well, to be honest, well, to be. Secondly, be honest about your dishonesty. Be honest about your flaws. Be honest about your sins. Be honest about, (laughs) Byron. Do you know why we twist the truth? Fear. Do you know why we twist the truth? God is a God of truth, God of ultimate reality. We don't want to submit to God. We want to create our own reality. So if we want to create our own reality, we want to be our own gods. God is a God of truth. We're going to twist it. We're going to twist it. At the heart of it, it's not just, well, I'm just a liar. At the heart of it is that you and I want to be God. And be the Lord of our own lives. And we bump against the reality. He's ultimate reality. I don't want to submit to that. So I will twist the truth. Understand that you and I and our submission to Jesus as king and Lord will be directly affecting whether we speak truth or not. You want to be your own king? You want to be your own God? You don't want to submit and surrender? This is going to be impossible. Having said that, do you know why we lie? Do you know why I lie? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Do you know why I lie? Because like you, I don't just need to know that I'm loved. I need somebody to tell me that I'm loved. I need somebody to go, you're loved. You're valuable. You're a person of worth. You're important. You're precious. I need someone to tell me that. It's like food for my soul. I don't just need to know it. I need to be told that. Husbands and wives, please go home today and one, ask for forgiveness that you haven't done this as much and do it. The reason why we don't do that, we need to be told. Because we need to be told, we create a false self so that we could get the validation, affirmation, you're valuable from others. Because we want to be told, we create false deceptions and lies to get other people to go, wow, you're so valuable. Wow, you're so gifted. Wow. We so long to hear it. This is the reason why every sermon Sunday I come up and I pound my fist in a loving way at the cross. (laughs) I pound my fist at the cross. Do you know why? Because if you and I are not content from the voice of the Heavenly Father saying, you are my son or daughter in whom I am well pleased, the temptation to create a false self, to hear that from others, is going to be so great that we will lie. We will deceive. We will tell truth. Unless you hear that voice. Lastly, CC, come on up, please. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Don't bear false witness against. That was like a shot of water. (laughs) I need like five of these up here. What's that? Well, I just couldn't. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Think about it. Bear true witness. Tell the truth. Speak truth at all times without degrees or levels of truthfulness. But church, everybody look up here. Everybody look up here. Who is it for? Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Positively speak truth for Your neighbor. It's not just speaking truth. It's speaking truth for your neighbor. Let me say it again. It's not just, well, I'm going to be a person of truth. It's for your neighbor. How do you do that? This is found throughout the New Testament. Ephesians 4. Rather let our lives lovingly express truth in all things speaking truly dealing truly living truly enfolded in love let us grow up in every way in everything into him who is the head the christ how do you live into the ninth commandment how do you obey it it's not just saying i'm going to speak truth put some integrity is speaking truth for your neighbor in other words it is living a life in which we are speaking the truth in Speaking the truth in love. There is kind of truth that's repugnant to God. And deeply offensive to non-Christians and Christians alike. God didn't just speak truth. God is also God of love. God was not going to separate truth and love but held them in tension do you know how far and how wide god was willing to go to make sure that he would hold intention truth and love Creator God says, Let there be light, there's light. Let there be heavens, there's heavens. He just spoke and things came into being. But God could never say, Let there be forgiveness. He had to do something. Do you hear me? He had to do something. God couldn't just say, Forgive. He had to do love and truth intention. Our God is our creator. He creates us, which means that it is utterly, 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 utterly normal natural. That we as created beings owe our everything to our creator. We live our lives in utter dependence on him. We live our lives in utter worship of him. The Bible says that none of us, not one human being on earth is doing that. Holy, truthful God needs to punish our sin. And yet, in love, he wants to reconcile and receive sinful humanity. But our God, instead of saying, I'm just going to be truthful, I'll know about love later. Instead of saying, I'm just going to be loving and never speak truth. Our creator God says, I will not leave truth." and love apart. In truth and injustice, God sends his one and only son and he punishes, he punishes for the sake of, for our sins, for our injustice, for our evil. He punishes his son so that the justice of God and the truth of God could be met. But he does so, so that in love, he would receive Forgive and accept sinful humanity. On the cross, truth and love. Bearing truthful witness for your neighbor. Why do I tell you that? Because when you go, but Peter, it's hard. God says, I know it's hard. It's so hard that that was the only way I can do it. But here's the challenge of that. The challenge of that is for some of us to go, well, I'm just going to be loving and never speak truth. That's not loving. If you love somebody and they're hurting themselves and they're in sin and they're in rebellion, the loving thing to do is to speak truth. But if you just speak truth, and I'm just going to speak truth, I'm just going to get it off my mind. I don't care what they think. That's not loving. And they will never listen to you. You know that, and I know that. Our creator God says, I know how hard it is to speak truth and love, but don't you dare take those two things apart. That's why you and I go to the gospel because the gospel and Jesus and the cross is the only thing that will melt away our pride and our arrogance that keeps us from genuinely loving that brother and that sister. And the cross is the only thing that will give you the security and the identity that you need so that you can be bold and not be afraid. Truth and love. Bear witness for your neighbor. And boy, as we pray, I'm just gonna ask right now how many of us, our sin and our struggle is, I'm truthful, but I'm rarely loving? Raise your hands. How many of us this morning, Peter, I don't mind speaking truth, but man, what I need is to genuinely love people. How many of us? You know, the truth speakers among us. Really, just three of us? Okay. You and I could huddle after the service right here. So the rest of us that I'm assuming are, I could be loving, but it's so hard to speak truth. Bow your heads with me. I, I cannot emphasize to you, church family, my brothers and my sisters, how desperately our world, our city, needs people who will bear witness truthfully for their neighbor i cannot i cannot emphasize to you how desperately our city and our world needs followers of jesus who are just as radical about truth as they are about love This is the essence of what it means to be salt, to be light in our companies, in our families, in our churches, in our neighborhoods. So, today, as we close, those of you who raised your hand and said, Peter, I am truthful. I don't mind speaking truth, but man, oftentimes I'm self-righteous, arrogant, prideful, lacking in love. And sometimes even hurtful in things that I say. Will you pray that the gospel of grace and God's acceptance of you in Christ, despite our arrogance and our pride and our sins, would be made real to you? And for those of us who sit here this morning and are unwilling and afraid to speak truth and to live a life of truth because we want to be loving, will you pray for boldness and courage that can only come from understanding the gospel of Jesus? And then lastly, in this minute or two of praying, if there are those of us for whom that question, are you living a lie? And there are people that you and I need to call up today, write email and saying, I haven't been truthful with you. Might the Holy Spirit convict your heart to do that. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. Be forgiven, be cleansed, be healed. His grace is freely available.